And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Happy, happy day. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, here with Danny Ratliff, Certified Financial Planner Squared. Are we awake? What day is it? Whose baby is that? That's what Fred Flintstone used to say when he was running for president. He used to kiss babies. Whose baby is that? What time is it? Well, we're here. Dow futures are up today. We have the muck of the market. We're going to use the word muck a lot today. As we are stuck in this trading range. Some people finding it frustrating. Although Apple might break us slightly out of the muck today. iPhone sales were pretty strong, weren't they? I, iPhone shares were up. Um, we had subscription uh, database was up as well. But looks like people are not buying MacBooks and iPads as quickly as they once were. So while they did beat expectations, I think they had a 2% down year over year. Yep, uh, they did. For earnings. So... A lot of information, though, right now. I mean, today, expecting employment numbers. Next week, we're going to get into all of the inflation data. Uh, Fed Chair Bullard speaks this afternoon. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff going on. And I tell you what, though, Rich. What? The vultures are circling. <laughs> I mean, look at what's going on in the banking sector You're talking sector about your right drive-in this morning? I mean, yeah. No, but, but, you know, we're in such an interesting dynamic with all the <clears throat> things that are going on in the financial sector at the mm -hmm. moment. And the bigger problem is, is the Fed is being so reactive, but not very proactive. And it's not the depositors anymore, so to speak. It's the, it's the investors. And there's not a whole lot of incentive for somebody to stay invested, nor is there a big incentive for a bank to swoop in and, and pick up one of these companies because the Fed's going to give them a sweetheart deal if they just let them fail. Welcome to our world. We have gotten this behavior established by the Fed, by the federal government, to be bailed out at any time. So, but again, there is this mass exodus out of regional bank stocks. And somewhere along the line, this is going to be a buying opportunity because not all these stocks are going under. The problem is right now is which, where is the baby and what is the bathwater, right? So you just dump them all. But sooner or later, obviously, I know, you know, uh, Lending is going to be down, but these valuations are starting to look uh, ridiculous. But to your point, Danny, um, it is that kind of situation where if another bank goes under, why would I bother? Let the Fed just come to me and I'll get a sweetheart deal. I don't have to go ahead and bid for anything or yep. I don't have to do that. I mean, the whole system is just geared this way. And, you know, again, I, I understand that. But the market has been trading in this this range, what are we at the same level we were a, a year ago? ago? A year ago. I mean, yeah, so. we're, we're relatively trading sideways. Granted, it doesn't feel good for anybody, especially when you can look out and say, hey, we can go get a CD or T-bills at decent rates right now. Um, and not knowing exactly, you know, how long those remain as elevated as they will. Still conviction longer term, we're going to see yields lower. I mean, look what's going on with the banks. This is a big problem is that the banks are having an issue because mm -hmm. now they're actually having to pay on deposits, especially smaller regional banks that don't, quote unquote, offer the security 
of the too big to fail guys, right? And so it, I, I find it pretty interesting to watch what's occurring. And really, I mean, it's it, it's a difficult environment. And you also think there's a lot of good companies, like you said, the baby getting thrown out with the bathwater. Because what about all these financial ETFs? where they're all just being sold because people are saying, well, shoot, we don't know what's in here. We don't want to hold if, some of these companies. So they're all getting sold. They are. If I had to, if I was bold enough, say I wanted to put some money into regional banks, and this is not a recommendation, but if I had to have a strategy here, <clears throat> to your point, Danny, and I was thinking about it yesterday, say I had, I, I would probably look at saying, okay, I put 25% of an X amount of dollars that I want to put all average in. I would look at an ETF because to assess each bank, you know, this is where diversification might work for you because whether I look at Western Alliance or First Horizon or, or Truist, I may not really get the full impact of what's going on there at the bank, but if I do think that regional banks on the whole are going to be okay, I might just look at an ETF like KRE to tackle that. Because if one in KRE goes under, the whole ETF won't compared to me trying to make a particular investment into one regional bank. So if I had to do it using an ETF – because I would usually prefer an individual stock. But in this case, I'm playing chicken little because I know that, to your point, they're throwing everything out. So I should see a wholesale move higher once we're past it. That's, how we, that's probably how I would look to invest well, this in is, the regional banks. I agree. This has to be a short seller's dream right now as far as, you know, <laughs> and, and you're going to get a self-fulfilling prophecy with all of these institutions because there is that run. It's not the run on the banks and deposits. It's a run on the stock. And that's where I think the problem currently lies. Yeah. You know, Silicon Valley Bank, they dealt with primarily startups, venture capitalists, um, Signature Bank, a lot mm -hmm. of uh, crypto. First well, Republic, yeah. Pac West, that's not the case. They're much more you know, they're they're much more diversified and it looks a much different from a balance sheet perspective. But you know, we are seeing a uh, interesting times. That's for but sure. But this is where opportunities come in. I read a great article yesterday about Warren Buffett. Yeah. How he, now Berkshire owns 14% of their fund in energy, oil and gas. Yeah, tradition. he's bullish energy. He is because he understands the nonsense once it's gone that we are never going to be wind and solar completely and that these companies have great valuations. So, you know, Warren Buffett's going to step into places where the crowd doesn't. And that's where I usually give him credit. I don't think most people can invest, obviously, like Warren Buffett, because when he wants to buy a railroad, he buys the railroad. But <laughs> he's not necessarily just buying these stocks. He's going out. It's like when he bought Goldman. Do you remember that? Yeah. And hey, yeah. well, I'll tell you what, you guys are going to pay me an 8% dividend. <laughs> You're going to, I mean, he sets his own he parameters does, does. that you and I can't do or that an average investor can't. But that article was great because it, there's something for every investor to learn to be a bit of a contrarian, right? He's not buying into value trap or crappy companies. He is buying into companies with assets, and he sees on the horizon that all this talk about all this bucolic we're going to live in a wonderland of candy land and we're going to have gingerbread windmills and all this stuff's going to run the economy. He's, he steps away from the rhetoric and the narrative and starts doing his homework. And he keeps putting money into, I think he owns uh, Conoco, Occidental, 
You know, so again, if you catch the Wall Street Journal, great article about it, but it just gives you the insight into the behavior of how an, in, how an intelligent investor thinks. And he's also willing to change his mind because there was a time when he wouldn't touch tech. And there was a time when justifiably he didn't touch tech, Danny. He didn't want to buy e-toys or the, the, the one with the stupid puppet. What was that? E-pets? Pets.com? Whatever. I mean, he stepped aside and started to look at real companies and real earnings. So his he's got rules, and no one is going to dissuade him. <clears throat> All right, we get back. We're going to continue this banter here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Retirement's not what it used to be, and knowing how health insurance works after you leave your job is vital. Our next Lunch and Learn will tackle transitioning to Medicare Thursday, May 11th, with Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso. How will Medicare work with the insurance you already have? What are the deadlines you need to know for signing up for Medicare? Register now for our Transitioning to Medicare Lunch and Learn with Ratliff and Rosso at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back. Danny, you said something earlier that's very important for us to communicate. It's very easy as a long-term investor to say, I'm going to take all my money out of stocks. They haven't done anything for a year. And I'm going to go ahead and put it into 5% CDs or treasuries. And, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But you are not looking ahead. You are not looking at the price of reinvestment risk. Because never has it been higher than it is today. Because those yields are going away. Those 5% yields are not going to stick around. And if you think that you're going to get those 5% yields for as long as you're going to be in retirement and everything is going to be hunky-dory, i got to start using that again. Hunky-dory. Hunky-dory and big dummy. So it's not going to work. It, you know, so we always look at the short term and your you, if you're managing your own money and your financial partner, has to look out further than just the next six to nine months because yields are going to drop. Intermediate long-term yields are going to going to come down as this economy softens. Right now, you're in some form of wicked stagflation muck, but you are headed in the wrong direction, right? You're sinking further into the quicksand of this of these economic numbers they're just taking longer to get there like you know i never understood like every the most the most the thing that you were always scared about as a kid i was ultra paranoid now you didn't have to worry about this danny 
but I was always worried about quicksand because every darn show you watched, the way you stopped the villain, there was always quicksand, even in the middle of a Brooklyn street. Oh my gosh, quicksand. You watch a Western, quicksand. Remember that, Brett? Quicksand was gone. Batman stuck in quicksand, right? So you are now stuck in this economic quicksand and you're getting pulled down very slowly and you're going to make a bad decision with your money. Fred's like, yeah, I remember that whole quicksand problem we've had as, chi- as children. Lassie, he's yeah. stuck in quicksand? <laughs> Go get him, girl. And I'd be like, Lassie, don't, because I don't want you to go. It's okay for him to go ahead and get sucked in, <laughs> not you. So you, you, it's tough to make a really rational decision when you're slowly sinking. Lost in space. Always. Danger. There was a quicksand Warning. on a planet. Will Robinson. Now, quicksand. Now, quicksand? I even asked Bill Mumming mm-hmm. this once. Why was there quicksand on planet Baboopsu, whatever you were on? What, what, how did quicksand get up there? Security. So talk about that, Danny, because it's very important as an investor that you could say you could parcel out some of your money to short fixed income. And we are doing that to treasury bills. I would still rather do treasury bills than CDs, but you cannot say I'm going to take all my money and I'm just going to go ahead and do this and then wait for stocks to get better. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of ways to play this. I mean, obviously, we're not a big fan of the all-or-nothing strategy where you take everything and put it in one area. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we're hearing more and more about that. And obviously, look, it, I get it. You have yields that are much higher than we've seen over a decade, actually, like probably like 15 years. So I, I, I get the inclination to lock some of these yields in. The problem, I think, is, mm-hmm. one, that reinvestment risk, like you mentioned, is that you're locking it in for a shorter period of time. Um, I think longer-term yields for most people, Rich, are still difficult because, Absolutely. one, the yield curve's inverted, right? We can get paid so much more for short-term debt. But think about why are they giving you why, – why are you getting paid more for short-term stuff than long-term stuff? And the answer's simple. Because they believe rates will inevitably go down, so they'd rather you than, than borrow money from you for a shorter period of time, pay you more, because they know that once your funds mature – they're likely going to be able to lock in at lower rates. So I'm, I'm a fan of taking advantage and exploiting these types of opportunities when we can. Absolutely, you can do it. But I, I'm not a fan of taking everything and putting it in that area. And I think that's some of the problems that we're beginning to hear more and more about. And, you know, look at the news articles, the big headline news. You know, you can get X amount here. Why take the risk? And the problem will be is one opportunity lost. That and that reinvestment risk, risk is going to be huge. Yeah. And to your point, we, there's nothing wrong with barbelling your bonds where you're saying, okay, listen, I do understand that I do want to take advantage of these short-term yields. You would be stupid not to. Uh, and and we, Danny and I have been talking about online savings banks and uh, maximizing cash long before you see all the headlines in Market Watch and all these other news and mainstream media. We've been talking about maximizing your cash. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But I have clients now now going, you're going to have me lock up my money for now 18 months, two years? I don't understand. Because eventually, the yields are going down. If you look at, if you, uh, there's a great, um, R, uh, in, um, there was some great news that came out, great, well, not great news, but, but just information about 
mention of weak demand that has been soaring to record levels from corporations using on-conference calls, lower, softer, moderating, weaker. We are going into this quicksand. And eventually, economic growth and inflation, intermediate long-term yields are going to drop off. And to Danny's point, eventually, the Fed is going to lower rates, although I am... I have a hard time believing this is going to happen by the end of the year. I just don't see it. Yeah, Appel said, basically, unless something truly breaks, he's not going to lower rates this year. Yeah, I don't see this pivot that markets have been. But keep in mind, if we do see slower economic growth, we do see inflation continue to drop, Mm -hmm. albeit it's been much slower than, than what they'd initially anticipated. I mean, you know, but I also think the response had to continuously change. There was a big pivot in this response. Think about this. Yeah. They, they were not raising interest rates. Right. They were continuously giving additional stimulus. Yep. They, during the pandemic, shut down the, the factories, the economy, the supply chain. So all of these things are very inflationary by themselves, but yet it took a very long time. They thought this was transitory, that it would just work itself off, but they didn't account for how much stimulus they continued to put into the economy, Correct. which was extremely inflationary. Now, granted, there were other other factors all along the way that impacted this and increased this problem. But, you know, I think the estimate now is that we're not going to see hit their target till mid 2025. So we're two years away. And that's been the talk. Although the market has been, as we've seen through this year, Danny, in the state of denial about it. Yeah. But I don't believe anything they say. How can you? Because it is everything I, is transitory. It's always transitory. They're going to they're going to do what they have to do at that time. Now, granted, they're typically behind because they're dealing with data that's in the past. So this thing could materialize one way or the other much quicker than probably anyone anticipates. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest caveat here is that you know we think about yields, we think about only what the Fed does. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember what does the Fed truly control when it comes to the yield curve? What end of that? It's going the to very be short end, and everybody thinks the Fed controls the entire yield curve. Correct. Now, granted, the longer end will will pop. It'll increase based on what they're doing with rates. Right. But you didn't see as as massive of a uptick as you have in like when you look at the look at the look at the three month, six month, one year. Mm-hmm. We're talking like four hundred basis points. Yep. In a year. But the longer end will likely see that okay, economy slowing. Inflation is declining, and that the Fed won't have to do much there. I don't think. We could be wrong. But I do think it's going to remain a little bit higher than, than probably well, what the market's PC anticipating went up at the a moment. Si- yeah. Keep in mind, for those of you listening and those on YouTube, if you open your homeowner's insurance premiums, you think those are up 13 to 20%? You think those are going backwards? You think some of the prices you're paying at the grocery store? I listen to these conference calls from these consumer products companies all the time. The regulatory environment is hostile. And diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives, for the most part, means that an ESG means sustainably higher prices. You know what else remains? What? Makes it sustainably higher prices are right. energy policy. Exactly. I mean, you want to get stuff from point A to point B. You want to do service industry. Anything you think about is going to be impacted by this. And it is not going to get. I, that's why we're speaking out of both sides of our mouth when we think about, you know, not us, but 
you know, in general, as far as what's going on, how we're going to bring inflation down, yet we have a policy that it does the exact opposite of that. I mean, well, you got the Fed trying to fight it on one end. Correct. And you got the fiscal on the other side being reckless, and it cancels it out. If you look at the sticky price CPI, it, it's been sticky, right? So you look at the flexible price CPI uh, on the Atlanta Fed, that's dropped like a rock. Because some of the supply chain issues have been worked out. But this sticky price inflation has been tough to move. It's right now at about a 4.7% on an annualized basis. Because some of what you're seeing is not only transitory, it's bricatory. It's not going anywhere. Because if I'm Procter & Gamble or Mondelez or whatever I am... I may not have the pricing power in the future, and margins are getting a little bit better, but I may not have the pricing power to increase rates. I increase prices, but I do have the ability to keep them where they are. I can't remember which call I even listened to or a transcript I read that said, we're never going back to pre-pandemic prices. And to your point, Danny, it's because of the policies we have initiated here and globally. So... We have to be prepared for these interest rates. I know the Fed is like one and done, but it could be done for a while. And that is going to take the toll. And that going through this muck process or this stagflation that we're in is going to feel worse than a recession, in my opinion, anyway. We get back. We're going to talk about Velcro because we stick on you. Stay tuned. Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. I'm in. I'm in. So, yesterday, I talked to a client, says, Listen, I have a, I have my eight year old daughter, and I, I'm just having a hard time talking to her about money. And I said, well, let me talk to her. He goes, what? I said, Leah, let me talk to her. Put her on speakerphone. And she, I said, hey, honey. I said, tell me something. She goes, this is Mr. Rosso. He's going to talk to you. Who is this? I don't talk to strangers. No, no, no. He's not a stranger. He works with daddy. All right. I need to verify him. What's your date of birth? No, she didn't say that. So I said, so I said, honey, what do you like? So we went through a conversation of what she likes. We went through a conversation of her liking Apple phone and some uh, some toys. I can't remember the name of them. Some, some well, and she came up with some traditional stuff like Barbie and all that. I said, I said, well, she goes, well, I have the money to buy this item. And I said, well, let's talk about this. If you have the money, and I always wanted to do a book like this, Danny, called "It's All Velcro." I buy say an iPhone. And actually, a lot of adults need this Velcro lesson as well. I buy this iPhone, 
So I got the base. I got the part of that. I got the iPhone. Say I got a picture of the iPhone. Then what I'm going to do is, what do I have to Velcro to the iPhone? What are the additional purchases and what are the costs of those additional purchases? I need a case. I'm going to buy the music. And then there's the apps. So you Velcro on all these additional costs. Because every time a company sells you a product, especially a kid's toy, like when I was a kid, it was G.I. Joe. But you just didn't buy the G.I. Joe. You got to buy the Jeep and you need the helicopter and you need the headquarters and you need the change of outfits. And how many people today, when they buy a house, Danny, they think there's just a mortgage. So imagine that everything you buy and teach your children this is Velcro. So we talked and I explained that she wanted this Barbie doll. And I said, okay, honey. So the Barbie doll is X amount. But I said, now stick stuff to it. She goes, I don't like sticky dolls. I said, I get it. But here's the point. You're going to have to buy a dress, right? And, and she goes, oh, and a car, and the car. Oh, and I think you, she can get a dog now. Yeah, and a dog, and you're going to buy all this other stuff. So how much is that really going to cost? And she goes, I don't have enough money yet, so I'm going to save it. And he goes, I don't know how you did it. So think about it when you teach your kids. Everything you buy is like those stickies when you walk through the grass. There's other stuff that's going to be stuck to it. It's never just the base purchase. Uh, companies would go out of business, Danny. Look at Apple, right? They're trying for recurring revenue, right? You, they want a monthly subscription service to, to music and, say, the apps that you buy. I mean, it's the, 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 the one purchase is just the beginning, and that almost applies to everything, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not many things out there that you can buy that – or just that. <laughs> just, At least not any major purchases. I mean, there's there's a handful, right? But, but not much because yeah. you want that recurring revenue. Well, and think about why, why all these apps, every other, um, you know, you get a TV. Oh, you're going to need to get the subscription. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, the Apple, the Hulu, all that stuff. But it seems like everything that, that's out there now has something associated with it. Now, granted, it's, they're just annuitizing the revenue stream, which is smart by the businesses and they've always done it every company has done this since yeah. we were kids i mean everything you buy especially is that brand loyalty i uh, haley used to love this uh these little dolls i can't remember what they were called but and but you would have to buy the one the one little house but then you had to buy the whole community you had to snap in all these other homes and all these other people. So why do we need this whole community? Can't we just have this person living alone on a hill? So everything is Velcro, and you got to teach your kids. The, the first purchase is literally the beginning. So think about all the other purchases that you need to make when you make this first purchase. And that'll get them to step back and save more and maybe not even want the item once they total it up. Well, you know our rule that if there's anything major, it's going to be over a certain dollar amount. Wait a week. Wait one week. And you'll the, find the, that most time you don't want it anymore. The only thing my mother did not go for. She went for all the G.I. Joe stuff. I had the headquarters. I had the, the, the truck. I had the helicopter. But when I asked for a Barbie doll for the G.I. Joe headquarters, she says, why do you need a G.I. He's lonely. That's what I said. <laughs> she goes, but you have 10 G.I. Joe's, and there's going to be one Barbie doll. So we're going to say no <laughs> to this purchase. I was a, 
It was a terror. <laughs> was oh, a, man. It was just a terror. But couldn't, couldn't she have just been an admin? <gasps> Why didn't Did I, I say Where that? were you? When I <laughs> She's just going to roll out the maps in the map room, Mom. Check for landmines. Ooh. <laughs> so it, it's just an important lesson, I think. I always wanted to do a book, Danny, of all these base purchases for kids and then have on the other side of the page all these Velcro pieces with dollar amounts on them and then help the kids understand. There you go, Lance. We've got to do a Velcro book. It'd be a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you do one Velcro book, you got to stick You've another gotta one. You got to do more. You got we, well, it's sticky purchase, right? You got to have the, the it's Velcro. It's all Velcro part two. Library. Yeah. Then you got to do it's all quicksand. Right. <laughs> so, get that down the road. So, um, I don't even know where we are. So we're going to transition to Medicare. We have this. Uh, we have a really good response so far for May 11th, uh, Thursday. So come to us, sit with us, lunch and learn. You're going to learn about, again, this transitioning to Medicare for some people is not easy. I helped one client the other day. Actually, signing up for Medicare is not difficult. It's just when to do it and how to do it, especially if you are one, you've got an employer plan, and you're working past, say, 65 years old, which most people are, or I'm on a spouse's plan. How does that work? Right, So I've got to coordinate it. It's not as clean as it was in the past where I'm going to retire by 65 and then I just get on my original Medicare and get all my supplementals. There's this integration process that happens or this progression process that goes on. And that's important. So we're going to talk about that, especially how to coordinate it with COBRA, how to keep track of all the Medicare deadlines. And let me explain, there are a lot of them. So we hope you can sit in, register at real investmentadvice.com. And a lot of times, Danny, we have a lot of people that sit in on these for lunch, and we wind up even going over a little bit, don't we? We do from time to time. Try to keep it at just an hour, though, just because it is lunchtime. Mm -hmm. Everybody's busy. Um, but lots of great questions, especially surrounding Medicare. You know, the alphabet soup of health care for retirees at 65. A lot of mis information out there so you do need to be cautious as far as you know what you know you really need to be looking at and look if you are probably about 63 and a half you're probably getting inundated with mailers uh emails it's amazing all the ways they com they communicate and contact people this day and age but we have to be cautious right a lot of that is medicare advantage we'll talk about that what exactly mm -hmm. that means how you need to look at that versus original traditional medicare and uh what's best for one person may not be the best for you. So you need to be cautious with that because we do hear a lot of stories saying, well, my neighbor has this great policy. We're going to go jump on this. And while look, I'm all for sharing of information, and, right. uh, but we need to make sure that it's customized specifically for you. So, so yesterday, you're going to love this story. So clients that retire before Medicare, right, they need gap insurance. They need to figure out, so I have a couple, that in their financial plan, I roughly, I roughly considered about $33,000 for the year. A year before they get on Medicare. So they retire before 65. We put it to the budget for 33000 Their insurance is costing $31,000 a year with a high deductible, Danny. 
That's that's crazy. Okay, so what I'm saying is, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. We, it, they wanted to retire so badly, and they had the assets to do it. But think about how many people, if you want to transition to Medicare, and you're say age 62, and you want to retire at 65, you better have a very creative way to come up with the ability to buy health insurance. And that is, this whole Affordable Care Act is an, is an oxymoron. It doesn't work. So, um, and again, I priced it almost to, you know, perfectly. I kept it at $33,000 in the plan just in case anything goes wrong for a buffer. But it wound up coming in around $31,000. i am like, oh, my gosh. You think about why people really, for the most part, unless they have a spouse who's still working and they can get on their insurance, why most people, they have no choice. They're going to have to wait. Unless they, for some reason, they can get a part-time job that has health coverage. I mean, it's exceedingly difficult for anybody to retire before Medicare kicks in. Yeah, we're, we're seeing one spouse retire, the other one continuing yeah, to work. Right. Or maybe you just find something that's not as stressful that, you know, mm-hmm. an industry that you like, you're working because you, you want to, maybe not necessarily because you have to. But some ways you do because most people can't afford that. And you think about all the people it's, that are continuing to work yeah. who are right there, but health insurance is so darn expensive that it just puts it puts it out of the question for the moment. I have one person that did retire at 62 and said, you know what? I'm freewheeling it. I don't recommend it. I'm not getting any insurance. I'll just walk off into the forest and die. I'm like, okay, we'll see how this works. So far, we got one more year. I'm holding my breath for him that he gets on Medicare. We get back. We're going to continue the 10 mistakes with your 401k that you make with your 401k continued when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com so i was listening to Dell reeves when i came in girl on the billboard do 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 Okay, like Danny's out of this conversation again. How does he get through a whole lyric without breathing? Who is the girl wearing nothing but a smile and a towel and a picture on the billboard in the field near the big old highway, rolling down the highway in my Jimmy hauling freight? I played a little bit for Brent. Because when I was on the road and Del Reeves was on and then a trucker was there next to me, I'm like, come on, shoot me the horn, man. Always wanted to be the a trucker. pump. Yeah, the fist pump. Always wanted to be like BJ in the bear. <laughs> Danny, you want to be the bear? No. Okay. <laughs> so you said something earlier about shorts and the banks, but if I'm a short seller right now, regionals, I'm out, isn't that dangerous? I mean, they've been so far beat up. I mean, the last thing I would probably do right now is short a regional bank. I think I'm too late. No, I think you're likely Wouldn't too I get late. Wouldn't a big but squeeze on that? Think. Yeah. 
I mean, but I people. think there's people out there. But I think that you're going to find other banks that maybe haven't been beat up as much. Yeah, know. I mean, you're going to have to be real careful because you're going to lose your shirt. Yeah. Um, especially now, I think um, you're seeing some recovery or rebound today. We have futures up today. Uh, I know Apple probably drove that. Oh, look at that. They have Warren Buffett pillows. Would you like a Warren Buffett pillow for Christmas? <laughs> That's what yeah. you're getting, buddy. <laughs> I don't know about the Charlie Munger pillow. I don't know about that. Not much to it, is there? <laughs> what are those called? I, I think the kids like Yeah, those. they're like little egg shapes. They're oval shapes. Squishmellows. Shape. Is Squishmellows or something yeah. like that. That's what we're going to get Lance for Christmas. So a Warren Lance Buff. Roberts Squishmellow. I don't want to squish a Lance Roberts. No offense. Yeah. No, Sorry, Lance, but Mrs. Roberts will get it, but not you. <laughs> sorry. Squishmallow, excuse me. Squishmallow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that whole Lance Roberts squishmallow thing is. I'm done with the show for the rest of the day. Um, As you should be. <laughs> oh boy. Um, does it have six pack? Does it have six pack abs? Could. Okay. Let's get mine special. Made. It's it's efficient. It just has a keg ab. They're airbrushed on though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So your four hundred one k. You contribute every every paycheck. There are things you do that are big mistakes. We talked a few about them last week. I talked to someone yesterday that did makes one of these mistakes. You go it alone. You go it alone and you treat it like a dust bunny. In other words, once I put money into this thing, I never look at it again. I don't rebalance. I don't check it. I don't care where it's in. And I think that's a big mistake. Now, you don't want to over rebalance or over trade, but to put it into the black hole and looking at it and understanding this might be long-term, but you do need to do your homework at least every year to figure out if the balance of what you have between equities and bonds and cash works for you and whether the investments that you have in these portfolios are doing what you need them to do. So that's where it's worth you talking to your financial partner or talking to any kind of help that your employer provides. Say, hey, you know, um, I, I, I think this is, might be too risky for me or I haven't rebalanced and I've left this alone and I think it's more aggressive than I want it to be. You do have to, Danny. You just can't just put the money in and never look at it again. And that's, a, that's a big mistake. And we find out a lot of people do that because they mix up, this is long-term, don't worry about it with, I've got to be involved, engaged with it to some degree. Well, in the, the target date fund specifically too. I mean, I, I visited with somebody yesterday and said, well, hey, I'm, I'm pretty conservative. I'm invested in the 2025 target date. Actually, I had somebody else with 2030 target date. I said, well, okay, what do you, what do you think's in that? And I said, oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty conservative because it's only a couple years away. I said, all right, it's pulled up. And they were shocked, as yep. you know, many people are when you when you pull those up and actually look what's invest, what it is invested in. So I think it's a great thing to do. Now, be cautious when you're calling these 401k providers if you're or you're dealing with the rep on the phone for a lot of these larger 401ks. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think they typically subscribe to probably a little bit different philosophy when it comes to investing and how conservative or aggressive somebody should be. And despite market conditions or economic environment. So, well, that's good. Because what do you mean? Like if because uh, they'll say, well, you've got 30 years, so it should be very, very aggressive. But you also have to understand your own risk tolerance. We have younger people Correct. that. They just can't, they understand how much risk they're willing to take. So they're not going to 
But I think like, have like, like I visited with somebody yesterday, started yeah. a new job, do, doesn't have anything in the 401k, and it was a little bit more on the aggressive side. But I said, you know what? I think that's okay uh-huh. because you're just putting the funds in right now. If, if this were you know your IRA or the other funds, we'd be having a little bit different conversation. But sure. in this environment, let's take advantage of this volatility. Go ahead and be a little bit more aggressive because as you're putting these funds in, you are continuously buying them at better prices potentially. Um, now, great, if we had that crystal ball, we'd say, hey, click the button today. You're going to hit the nail on the head. That's that's just not how it works. Yep. So you got to be, you can't just put it in there and have it disappear. Also, you treat it like a bank. There's too many ways for you to take money out of your 401k. Um, first, one of the worst and dumbest things you can do and the government allows you to do is for first-time home buyers to avoid the premature distribution penalty by going ahead and purchasing a home because I don't know what kind of message you're trying to send outside of the whole the the lobbyists that are trying to convince you to do this you shouldn't have to take money out of your 401k to purchase a home and if you are doing that guess what you shouldn't own a home you should be saving for that money outside somewhere else if I have to tap my retirement account to purchase a home, that should be giving me a red flag that I maybe need to rethink about the Velcro process of owning a home and do I re- or can I really afford it? What do you think? Absolutely. Too much leakage, right? Way too much leakage. You know, we use these, and, and the problem is, is that, you know, we talk about this frequently. Where do you put your funds and how do you do it? Do you build up the emergency reserve, the issue is most people just jump right into the 401k put as much as they can into it right because we've been taught hey we don't want to leave any money on the table and this is you need to start saving for retirement which is great but we're putting the cart before the horse because you need to make sure you have some type of emergency reserve you have account an account set up specifically for saving for a home and then you start to max that 401k out uh but uh, you know i don't want to leave any money on the table either so i think it's you know, it's not all or nothing one way or the other, but if they're going to match you up to 3 or 4%. Sure, do that. Absolutely. Don't lose that, to your point. Uh, you would cringe. I heard a financial advisor the oh. other day talking about Roth 401k, and the first benefit that he brings up is the fact you can that pull I, it out. he can pull it out. Yeah. I mean. That gets me going. Almost swerved off the road, like, like most Houston drivers. <laughs> So um, another day in the neighborhood. Yeah, no, it's just another day in the neighborhood. So that is ridiculous. Once you put it into the your account, you should it should be forged in steel behind a steel door, not to be touched. And to Danny's point, to have the savings hierarchy. And for a lot of younger clients, the younger people we guide, we say, listen, you gotta have you gotta have the reserve. But but I need to do my my four hundred one k. Okay, to Danny's point, up to the match. Don't lose the free money. Then we build up the savings. Once we're done with that, we increase the contribution. So we're not lo- we're doing our cake and eat it too strategy. We're getting the match, and we're also putting money away for emergency reserve, which means I don't need to tap my retirement account in the future. The other thing is, Danny, you leave it behind, right? You have people that collect old 401ks like uh, Squishmallows like Lance Squishmallows. They're, oh, I have one from this employer here and this one here and this one. Like, well, how do you keep track of all this? They don't. I mean, how many people, and I, I know some really successful people who have 401k sitting out everywhere. And we've been working for a long time trying to consolidate. And mm-hmm. it's not just one or two, it's many. 
And, and you know, it's the, the problem with that. It's like you said, you're collecting dust bunnies because one, it was not managed whatsoever. Right. You don't know what it's in, which could be good or bad because maybe it takes the emotion out of it for somebody who is, you know, kind of emotionally driven from an investment standpoint. But it's uh, you don't know what it's doing. You don't know what the investment options are. And you could probably do a lot better. I think so. And consolidate, right? And and again, there's going to be a point where there there's a report that was out that over 20% of 401k plan funds are lost or forgotten. Nearly 25 million forgotten 401k accounts worth about 20% of all 401k assets in the United States, Danny. Yeah. So, and that makes sense, right? Because you think about, oh my gosh, I, I quit my job and, and, and Gen Z and millennials and Gen X, they, you know, they're switching jobs all the time. So this company called Capitalize ran this study. It's, they specialize in 401ks and they came up with this devastating figure of how much money is left behind. The average uh, forgotten 401k balance is, get, listen to this, $55,400 according to Capitalize. What? <laughs> That's crazy. It's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. So you got it to Danny's point. You got to keep track of them all and then consolidate them. You know, with a big custodian like Fidelity, you know, so also that you can see it together. That's what's the benefit of running a financial plan. Because then you got to gather all that stuff up, Take all that, that data. Inventory of assets. Put it into the plan. Yeah. So we got for you today. So listen, transitioning to Medicare, sign up at Real Investment Advice. Sign up for Lance's Before the Bell to get your own Squishmallow. But it'll be words instead of a pillow and a couple of charts. His Squishmallows are charts. And he's back on Monday, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for sticking with us, everyone. Have a great weekend.